That sound can only mean one thing. It's time for Tardy to the party. For the once that wasn't me, that was actually Bill Mudrin over there. Me dead I cook for breakfast, and that's what happens. That's Bill Pop And since it's technically five years old, Bill this week wanted to tackle five-year-old uh, Broadway show that everybody's talking about because it's now available on Disney+. Plus. And you know and me, if I love nothing, it's it's tackling five-year-olds. I love to knock them flat on their asses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is not anything I originally intended to cover for the podcast because I forgot. I didn't realize Hamilton was as old as it is. And by old, I mean five years old. Um, but yeah, no, Hamilton finally got uploaded to fucking Disney Plus earlier this month. We're recording this in the last week of July 2020. And, uh, I watched it a couple times, and I was like, shit, I could use, I could, I could essentially write off the time that I've spent watching this as a Tardy to the Party project, because technically it's five years old. And I can't think, you know what, I can't think of another thing we've talked about, which is more, that we've been tardier to in terms of, like, huge pop culture things that I don't think either of us had engaged in with at all. And... I try, I, I've tried listening to the soundtrack before. I but. tried too, but it sounded like fucking Donkey Kong 64 rap bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and... Oh, that's the... Th- I mean... I, well, okay. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll say I, it's... it's uh, it does have good numbers. We're, I didn't take any notes, so That's you're fine. gonna be in control of this because yeah. I know. So saw you. Well, were taking and I'm notes. thankfully. I mean, it sounds like I. I even thought I had taken more notes than I did until I looked at last night. I only like I forgot how long this is and how many songs there are. And that's yeah. like by virtue of the fact that I like wrote extensive notes for eight songs. That's still like like a one like quarter of the play. So actually, in terms of like, I didn't write as many notes as I thought I did, even though it kind of looks like a lot. But um. Yeah, I figured but you anyhow. wouldn't take notes on this because, like... Yeah, it's three hours. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And plus, there's a lot that happens in those it's, three it's hours. It's fucking but, jam-packed, um, yeah. But yeah, what's your uh, history with Hamilton, then? I tried listening to it, and I was like, yeah, this, these songs aren't really jiving with me. They're not bad, but they're not for me. They're not yeah. directed at me. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, there's some... There's like, Once you get past those initial first ones that I didn't really care for, mm-hmm. there's some songs I liked in here, and it's it's pretty shockingly hamilton's pretty good yeah that's that's that's, (laughs) who could have seen it coming well especially too because i don't know if you're the kind of person i am who as soon as anything gets popular that i don't have any invested interest in you know of course i start getting all like oh god what the fuck is this shit and that's no i don't i don't do that i'm not i'm not a sociopath so i don't do that (laughs) that is totally me well especially because i knew so many people it was pretty much me and like two other people in my Actually, life that I knew. Who I can't were, say that yeah? because I'm like that with uh, uh, Steven Universe. Oh really? You don't like? Steven but that's Universe. because the toxic fandom so of that. That's is, true. Is... Well, that's the thing too. Like when the fandom goes, not that I saw too much in the way of toxic Hamilton fandom, but so many people were just jerking off into their mouths so fucking long for so fucking hard about fucking Hamilton, and it was like, holy shit, who gives a Fuck. Like, even the, I, I admitted that the idea sounded cool, and I love anything that goes back and, like, takes musty old white men and recontextualizes it with cool, like, you know, black and Latino actors and stuff like that. That sounds cool, but just people just, like, constant, like, fucking fan art on Twitter and just, oh, it's just fucking... And then, not only that, but then you had the inevitable, especially if you're, like, the left-leaning parts of, like, social media, you're always going to get the inevitable thing, the backlash, where everyone's... It turns into a demolition derby of people writing think pieces about how, no, technically you're a bad person if you like Hamilton, 
and why, mm -hmm. like, all and, and like, suddenly became a race to see who can undercut the most, un undercut each other the most with like, the, their their Hamilton is bad actually, and Hamilton fans are bad actually. Hot takes, and it just became such a big fuck. And like, some of the people who I knew were the biggest Hamilton fans suddenly turned around and were like, "No, actually, Hamilton is bad for you." I regret ever having been a Hamilton fan. I was like, "Oh my god, who gives a fuck about enough about this either way to get that one?" That's just, mm. but. So, I was so glad to, to be completely ignorant of what the, what the fuck was going on with Hamilton. Until, um, yeah, they uploaded to Disney+, Plus and I was begrudgingly like, fine, I'll watch this. Well, I did, like you said, I did try to <laughs> that listen. That is a very Bill Mudgeron thing to do. <laughs> well, I did try to listen to the soundtrack, and the soundtrack is so, like, even from a musical perspective, it's so clean and overproduced. So Broadway, mm. I couldn't even get into it. Uh, just like on its own merits, and there's also the thing too that whenever I try to get into a musical, but just by listening to the soundtrack, it almost never works because you don't. Mm -hmm. I want the context of what's going on in the uh, in, in the in the play, and I guess with something like Hamilton, that's easier to do because it's all sung. It's pretty much an opera, so most of that should be on the soundtrack album. Whereas like fucking uh, the thing everyone's jerking off about these days is fucking Beetlejuice. By how great that mm -hmm. is, and I tried to listen to that soundtrack. Oh man! And that I is... listened to a lot of that while cleaning the garage, yeah. and eventually I was probably like three fourths of the way through. I was like, "Why am I doing this to myself?" That the same thing too. The I... most iconic, one of the most iconic things about Beetlejuice is, is <laughs> the, the sound, the music, and the the musical sounds nothing like any of it. That is the mystifying thing about that. They didn't like... even try to get budget Danny Elfman on it. It's fucking they completely the, different. They quote the original Beetlejuice score like maybe twice out. of like the dozen songs in that thing and that's even that very passing they like and then which is like if you it's it's like if you went out of your way to make a musical about like the 1979 whatever superman movie with christopher reeves and had everyone dress up like all those characters but for some reason like you don't bother to incorporate any of the john williams music and it's like why are you even doing that then that's like half the point and so yeah. like yeah, the beetlejuice musical like all the numbers are like really kind of squeaky clean and like overproduced and without the, and, and because that's actually more, there's actually more connective tissue between the songs. And like, I just couldn't get into it because I didn't have reference, I didn't have context for any of the music. And also, the music itself wasn't necessarily that great. Love the lady who plays Lydia Dietz, she's great, but everyone else is just like, whatever. But that's the thing with with Hamilton, so I tried to listen to that a hell a couple times. And also, fucking. <laughs> you know, in retrospect to how much I kind of like Hamilton now, I, I, I can give. Lin Manuel Miranda props for like he actually did mm -hmm. write a pretty good play with some pretty good songs. He's not mm -hmm. a good rapper. He's not a good singer. He's not that great a performer. And him being the star of the album wasn't necessarily that great. And so like yeah, it's, I I it, I take this with a grain of salt because it's gonna sound like a kind of insult, but <laughs> it's not. This could be something like, I was, I was, racist. No, no, no. It's rare for you I, and I you was, to kind of step back and be like, you know what? <laughs> Don't put me in jail because I'm gonna say this for you. No, yeah. I was gonna say he's the weakest performer. Oh, yeah, he but is. that's because everybody else is super, super strong in it. Uh, yeah, and I—he's I, obviously incredibly talented. I just—I don't know who I would rather have in the role of Hamilton. Yeah. But he was works. the weakest part for me. He... But he also—he's a good actor in it. He does the acting part. I just—he has a hang not a fan face. of. I'm not a ha fan of his voice per se. Yeah, well, he not to take anything away from him. <laughs> That's just my own personal taste. He... I'm sure somebody else, lots of other people out there, are probably say yeah. like, I can't see anybody else in that role. He's perfect for it. But I, you, you know, know, actually, yeah. after seeing this a couple times now, I, I would have a little bit of harder time seeing someone else in this role. But I could see why other people would say that like he's the weakest link because like I <laughs> yeah I 
I listened to uh, the um, Book of Mormon soundtrack a, a, a fuck metric ton before I actually saw it. And of course, it wasn't Josh Gad in the touring group. Josh that I Gad saw is with. that? Yeah, he's one of the Mormons. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I but, hate Josh uh, Gad, but he's good in that. Oh, he's fantastic. Oh, okay. um, but uh, the guy who did it in the Traveling Show was freaking amazing and did it in his own way. Yeah. He wasn't trying to do like a Josh Gad. I was like, you know, which that's the best that's, you can hope that's for. That's yeah. how Broadway works. Different people do it differently, and it's just like, well, many times it works. And that's the other thing too, especially with something like this, where this we're watching the original production. It's it's, it's original cast in the original theater, and mm -hmm. this is kind of interesting because as, just as a document. It's interesting mm -hmm. because it is such a very specific... And this is another thing I know with musical theater stuff. There's a big... There can be big debates with people like, how much do you love a production? How much do you love a musical versus how much do you love a specific production of that musical? And, mm. like... Because I know people will be like, well, I only like this because I only like the original Broadway recording. I only... I, I like this thing, but I only really like like the traveling production. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing. I don't know how much I like Hamilton versus how much I just love this version of Hamilton because yeah, we're watching the Disney Plus version and Lin Manuel Miranda. Even though he he skates by on his little Scrappy Doo energy and his hangdog face, which is really handy for all the emotional moments. Uh, but he was smart enough to really surround himself with a fucking killer cast of motherfuckers. Who mm -hmm. um, I've seen people reviewing this 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 Disney Plus version of of Hamilton, the filmed version. Talking about how you can tell everyone's kind of tired after having, pre to, you know, to done this, performed these roles seven days a week for a year and a half before this stuff was filmed, and they're kind of tired. Well, I can't even tell. I'm that much of a layman when it comes to musical theater that like, no, I can't. Even... I just I entirely disagree with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. I've these people are given enthall, and you can't tell that they're burnt out. Well, on that's it at the all. other thing I wanted to like this. Whoever is... said that is is flat out wrong. Well, no. I heard a couple people say that. I'm like, okay. And this is the other reason why I wanted to talk about this on the podcast was because you are. A theater person and you would have if every, if anyone's gonna have interesting takes about this it would be you because you you're yeah. a fucking dancer and like you've yeah, been but around that's different than like broadway style but you would know at least more than me you would be able to gauge like what's good singing what's good performance like especially in the, not, no not, not singing because yeah. i am i'm a dancer and there's no singing in dance what do you think about the dance in this thing they shot it bad <laughs> Okay. Like it's always in the background. You well, can't really yeah, tell. They're, 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 they, yeah. I mean, obviously they're so focused on the singers and the main people, yeah. you, and you're focused on them, so you don't really. That dancing's good, but you don't really get to see it because yeah. the the cinematography or however it's called, and, it, and when it's when it's done on stage, it's very well f shot for no, filming no, it looks good, a yeah. stage. It's it's very well done, but at the same time. It distracts from everything that's going on in the background. Yeah. That's yeah, you're not paying attention to it at all. You can't focus on it, which is you know that's a big difference from seeing something live. You get to see the entire stage at once, yeah. and you can you can see focus on any part of it you want. You can't really do that when you've got a close up of the main dude, and you can tell that there's a bunch of shit happening behind him, which is probably really cool. But yeah. you know, right now we're looking at this guy singing. <laughs> which I thought so. they actually did some pretty interesting things in terms of like. Focusing the framing and stuff like that, and doing some kind of like d distracting you from this, and like focusing on that stuff. But yeah, if you're, if you're in it just for the dancing, I guess you'd be, be very frustrating. Um, like it wasn't really frustrating. You, it's, no, you but just like don't you can, notice yeah. it. Um, 
And I wasn't quite sure how intensive is it, because I know there's a lot of movement in this. I don't know if a lot of this you would consider. I mean, it is dancing. They're dancing throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Not, not everyone, because, like, you have the ensemble and got the main cast, and the main cast is not always dancing. God, God knows that's not true. No. Um, but... No, because if they asked them to dance in those outfits, they would have died from heat exhaustion. I feel so bad for the guy playing Hercules Mulligan, the big black guy in the, in the green jacket and the fucking yeah. stocking cat, because he is sweating his balls off on that stage. That, that was oh, a yeah. cruel bit of costuming for that son of a bitch. Uh, but, yeah, it's... So, anyway, like, the way I got into Hamilton, actually, like... The thing that got me wanting, wanting to really kind of revisit and actually give a Hamilton a, 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 an honest chance was um, there's a podcast called Strong Songs, which is hosted. I didn't realize this until recently. Uh, this guy did a, an episode about the, the World One One music from Super Mario Brothers. Uh, it's hosted mm -hmm. by a guy named Kirk Hamilton, who used to be like a writer for Kotaku and Polygon, I think. Um, but he has this great. It's 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 a podcast called Strong Songs, where he just talks about different popular music and why. It works as well as it does, and just recently, with Hamilton coming to Disney+, Plus, he put up an episode about uh, the song Satisfied, which is sung by the oldest Skylar sister in the, in, in the show. It's the one where she kind of rewinds time and, and, and starts talking about how she fell in love with Hamilton, too, and along with her sister. And I didn't, like, listening to that, like, after watching Hamilton once... He goes into the the strong song host goes into uh, the use of leitmotif and how well developed it is with, with throughout the the, the, the music and in the play, and mm -hmm. I, that kind of opened me up. I want to go watch it a second time after that, and I really did start recognizing like different like bits and pieces from this song end up over here and stuff, which which is not like the most advanced thing in the world, but as someone who grew up listening to lots of John Williams and lots of movie soundtracks, very late leitmotif heavy. Uh, musical soundtracks that kind of interior construction stuff always really interests me and going back and re-watching Hamilton with that kind of on my mind again I'm not a big fan of how the music has been produced it's way too overproduced for my for my taste and way too squeaky clean but just from like writing perspective and how like they you know bring back little themes and intermix stuff like that I did start getting more into that and that was kind of like my in into Hamilton the stuff that that was kind of sticky to me that kind of like got me I finally suddenly had skin in the game watching it again. I was like, okay, that is more interesting. And I started paying more attention to the songs. And when I watched it a second time, I threw on... Actually, this is a big deal. I put on the subtitles. And yeah, so now I, now I can see... Too with the, now I can actually I understand what everyone's talking about a little more. Yeah, I watched it at work the first time. Well, I didn't watch it. I had it playing in my pocket exactly, at work. And yeah. that was a mistake. That was a horrible mistake. Really? And it was fine. Was it just the soundtrack then, or was it the actual... No, I... Well, I had it in and out of my pocket and it was on. Okay, and I yeah. would look at it. Yeah. But I couldn't focus on it. But um, yeah, the second time through, watched it, uh, subtitles on, and it it improved at least thirty yeah. percent, if not more, well, having least... the subtitles on. You can now just understand... because it ma makes you focus more. No, that's true too. On it, and at least now I understood what was actually happening in some of the scenes. Because suddenly people mm -hmm. will start arguing and stuff like that, and especially watching it the first time, maybe I'm not focusing totally on what's on the TV. I'm checking my email and stuff like that. I might miss a crucial line. Why someone's suddenly upset now, or like whatever mm -hmm. the political machinations are in this specific scene. But like watching, like actually focusing and watching and reading the subtitles 
Like, I got a lot more out of it. And again, with the music stuff and, like, paying attention to the music stuff and and watching, just watching that two times was enough for, like, the performances to start growing on me. And, like, now yeah. that I knew what was happening in the story better, I could better anticipate things. I could, like, more enjoy, like, the characters and the performances. And that's when it actually started growing on me was that second time watching through. And that's when I really kind of started falling in love with, like, oh, God, there's the one fucking dancer lady in the ensemble. I have total crush on her. And her name's Ariana DeBose. And she's mm -hmm. this light-skinned black lady with, like, this curly hair that sticks up. She's got these big, bright eyes that the whole time I'm watching, I'm fucking, like, a total... I don't know why I'm absolutely fascinated with that lady, but she's beautiful. Which is funny, because, like... Yeah, now, you, now you're gonna have to watch West Stride's story when it comes out. Oh, is she in that? Yeah. Fuck. Is that... I wonder if that's even still... Because I know that was supposed to be coming out this Christmas, but... Not Steven that I, Spielberg, <laughs> famous for his musicals. I know, yeah. Um, I still, I bought that on iTunes, so if you ever want to watch the original version before the Spielberg version comes out. No! Do you not care about fucking... Well, I trust my mother's opinions on musicals. She was a huge musical okay, fan. Okay, yeah. And one day when I was a teenager, she had never seen it before, she came to me holding a VHS tape oh, no. of, of West Side Story and said, This was boring. Do you want it? And I said, Nah. And she's like, All right. <laughs> Love your mom. That's great. This sucks. Here, you want to keep it away from me. It burns you, my skin. Are you interested in watching this? I thought it was boring as oh heck, and I was God. like, no, thanks. Yeah, my friend Dylan recently, she found out that I'd never seen West Side Story, and she's like, what is wrong with you? You have to watch that. And I was like, I've never seen it either. I've seen cause... clips and it bored the shit out of me. Which is yeah. actually, I feel bad. My little anecdote about Dylan. Uh, my friend Dylan, she went to high school with Lynn Manuel Miranda. And she mm. said he was a nice guy, but, like, one of her first things for, like, the, the, the school newspaper was reviewing some kind of production he put on there, and she gave it a terrible review. And now she's uh -huh. always like, well, one of my first professional review gigs in my life was giving a thumbs-down review to this guy who would go on to be the, become, like, the Stephen Sondheim Pulitzer Prize-winning future of Broadway in America. Hey, you never know. Maybe he read that and was like, I'm gonna do better. <laughs> knows, exactly. And then... And, and she inspired him. So, that's how yeah. I would. That's how I would do it. And I'd be like, you know, I don't know that he read that, but I believe he did because after that, he really improved. Yeah. No, that's another thing too, because I was like, this is when Hamilton was blowing up too. I know people were trying to like, because Lin Manuel Miranda, his family's from Puerto Rico, so they're trying to like ascribe the 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 the, the story of Hamilton onto him, where they're like, Lin Manuel Miranda grew up a poor Puerto Rican child who came to America, like, no, he's born in America, his family is rich, His, I think his dad emigrated from Puerto Rico, but his dad's like one of the head politicians, he's like the comptroller of New York City or something like that. Lin-Manuel Miranda always grew up rich, so you can't really ascribe a rags-to-riches story just like Alexander Hamilton onto him, even though I did see some people try. And it's like, mm. again, more shit like around the, around the, the fart cloud that surrounded this play when it was when it was super popular it just was just kind of annoying as shit. Although Lin-Manuel Miranda himself always seems like a very sweet dude. He seems relatively humble. Anyone who's besties with the fucking McElroy brothers can't be all that bad. Um, and uh, you know the other thing too was actually interesting. <laughs> I, half the reason I took so many notes for this thing was they've also put out a book about Hamilton right when it was big. It's called Hamilton, the Revolution. I've got a copy of it over here, which is, it's actually a copy of the whole, what do they call it, the Liberetto? It's the text mm -hmm. of the whole thing. But they, they have voluminous notes from Lin-Manuel Miranda. He goes song by, song by song with a bunch of annotations from him. Just like the inspiration for this song and why this line is like that. And it's some really great self-effacing stuff in there. And, and actually reading about the evolution of the songs, well, 
rewatching this thing for like a third time was actually pretty interesting, but oh my god, anyway. So, yeah, uh, before I start to, I guess the other context for this stuff is, uh, the filmed version, this is another thing, uh, this become, now that uh, Hamilton on Disney Plus has exploded, there's more conversations now too about like why more plays aren't recorded like this. Which is understandable because this is a rare thing where few plays, musicals, whatever you want to call them, are popular enough to justify being documented like this. Um, which is funny. It's hard to do too. Yeah, well, it's expensive and everything too. But um, and I would oh god, there's a lady on YouTube who because I was looking up Hamilton research on YouTube, I somehow back ended this one lady's channel who. Uh, she talks a lot about, like, technical and legal things on Broadway, and she actually pointed out, too, that, like, aside from the money considerations, because th th this Hamilton production thing that we're watching now is, is a very unique thing, because I guess what happened was, I guess Hamilton opened in early 2015, and by early 2016 it had blown up enough that, you know, of course, became the na national darling and everything like that. And by the middle of 2016, a bunch of, like, half the cast announced they were going to leave and do go do other stuff. And, but they decided that, well, no, I guess originally they were going to film a production or two of Hamilton for a documentary about Hamilton, but then that turned into, they were like, well, if we're all leaving anyway, and we're already going to try to film some of this professionally, why don't we set aside a couple days, we'll, we'll, we'll record a couple actual, like, live performances with an audience, but we'll also set aside an extra day or two. Uh, to do, like, record some private performances so we can do some stuff where we have cameras on stage and actually make a professional filmed document version of the original cast before people start splintering off and breaking away. And so that's what they did. They invested, like, 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 it was like $10 million over the course of, like, a week to film, like, like, three or four different versions, performances of this thing, plus, of like, private performances. Just for the sake of just having... Because, you know, Hamilton had blown up so much, they were like, well, we have the money, we might as well document this before we all uh, go off on our separate ways. With no specific intention of doing anything with it, aside from using some of the footage in a documentary, which I still haven't seen, I don't know how much the, this footage actually wound up in anything, but... They hung on to that, which they were really smart, because then, of course, after a couple of years, Hollywood came knock, and they were like, hey, we will, like, we heard you guys, you know, videotaped a version of Hamilton, like, what's that about? One, like... And so I guess there's a huge bidding war, and uh, which I guess did not resolve itself until earlier this year. Disney paid seventy-five million dollars for mm. they don't even—I don't think they even own this movie. It was just the right for the rights to put it in theaters for a little while, and then put it on Disney Plus. They don't even own this thing, which is smart because, like, if you're Lin-Manuel Miranda, you're not gonna fucking sell the rights to Hamilton no matter what. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and I guess the original plan was Disney. I guess I guess. Uh, there were plans for theirs to still be traveling roadshow versions of Hamilton going around until the end of next year, until the end of 2020, uh, until the end of 2021. And so the idea is they didn't want to put this filmed version of Hamilton out on Disney Plus until after the touring uh, version was done with, so they there was no threat of like eating into the profits and the ticket sales of the touring version. But of course, the pandemic hit earlier this year, <laughs> like literally as they were announcing, as Disney was announcing that the fact that they had acquired the distribution rights to this version of Hamilton, the pandemic had just started. And I guess it was just a couple months was enough for Disney to go, well, I guess we don't have to worry about eating into the profits of the traveling roadshow of Hamilton. We've renego renegotiated our deal, and we're just going to put this out on Disney Plus this year, this summer, in time for the 4th of July, which is how we end up, you know, wound up watching it now. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, this is a weird thing because yeah, not a lot of plays get to be this well documented. Um, the, the 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 Broadway YouTube lady I was talking about, she pointed out that I guess the city of New York, uh, New York, like there's some cultural program or something like that that has gone out of its way to try when it can to at least send one person out with a camcorder to try to document any like professionally produced play that is put on in New York just for the sake of having recording of like here's this actual on broadway thing and again it's usually just one guy with a camcorder just sitting off to the side just saying recording one performance so it's not not anything like we're talking about with this hamilton uh filmed version but yeah no like it's it's rare that anyone has the time or money or to sit down and do like a pro pro uh, recording of this which is funny because like i'm not a big musical theater fan but two of the big musicals i am a fan of it's because they had the wherewithal to actually like do a recording of the original Broadway cast, and that's with Sweeney Todd and with Into the Woods. Mm-hmm. They both did do like actual professional, like no audience. I don't. I think they had audiences, but like they actually did have cameras, and it wasn't just one guy off the off the set. <coughs> I'm talking too much. My my <coughs> my larynx is toasty. It got dry bones Ooh. in my throat. Mm. So, but um, but yeah, it is. It's kind of a shame that, like, I'm such a layman when it comes to musical theater stuff, but I am glad that something like this exists. Otherwise, I really would have never seen this version of Hamilton if, if they did not have the the, the the foresight to record this before everyone off on their own uh, their own separate ways. But um, which of course opens up a whole new thing about you know, especially with Hamilton blowing up, everyone's been talking about like theater and it's so expensive and no one can see it unless you live close to a theater or if you're lucky enough to get the expensive tickets for a traveling roadshow even when it's not hyper expensive like hamilton just going to the theater mm-hmm. still like so so much more exponentially exponentially more expensive than going to the movies and i actually i didn't even think about it until now i wonder if the pandemic's gonna force a lot more theater people to actually do recorded versions of their stuff and distribute it knowing that like they're never going to be able to make as much money from a live box office crowd as they would have been before the pandemic hit i wonder if that's going to be i wonder if like, I mean, also with Hamilton blowing up this this film version, is going to be more justification for people to make stuff like this. I don't know, that'll be interesting, so... Well, they'll also, I'm sure a couple will try of less than popular stuff and be like, Oh, I wonder why this didn't work! Cause yeah, exactly, yeah. Everyone's going to think if you just film it and put it on, try to get it on Netflix or Disney+, Plus, it's going to be a huge hit, but... um. So anyway, yeah, this is me finally catching up to Hamilton and... And, yeah, did you have any other vague thoughts about the show or anything, like their performers or anything like that? Well, I'm going to compare this favorably, and you're not going to believe what uh, oh, no. I'm about to say. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to compare this uh, production of it favorably to Cats. Ooh, <laughs> why would you do such now, a thing? <laughs> no, yeah. no, get this, get this. So I think... Oh, the reason why Cats didn't work for the movie, oh well, many, many, one of the many, 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 many reasons, is because you can't transfer that fucking thing to a movie. And I don't think Hamilton would work as a movie either. I think they did the smart thing and then try to adapt it to a movie, because if you try to do this as a movie, it would blow ass because time moves so strangely and people walk from one side of the stage to the other and it'll be like a month and writing letters and I don't this would not ever work as a as a film. I think you could do. I think. And I think I think this and Cats are two fine examples of shit that should stay on stage. Yeah. 
Um, Even though the cat stage play sucks ass. Man, I just watched. Um, I did. I found a half-hour video about this. That actually was a video about not just the making of cats, but the making of the 1998 stage filmed version. Essentially, the cats version of what we're talking about with Hamilton. It was a behind-the-scenes mm-hmm. thing that was actually interesting to watch, and it was actually kind of cool to see, like, t- uh, talking uh, behind-the-scenes thing about the theatrical version of the play, which suddenly I was like, okay, I could see this is actually way more interesting than the fucking movie that we just watched. And it's interesting that Hamilton comes out less than six months after the abysmal train wreck was that was the Cats adaptation. This is It's funny to see this Hamilton film that adaptation coming up and saying, okay, if you're going to take a musical and turn it into a quote-unquote movie, think, this is the way to do it. This is the best of all think- worlds. A very, very creative director and team might be able to pull it off with, like, some really interesting, like, swipe cuts and, like, camera you usage have and stuff to, to show yeah. the passage of time. But you'd have to be, like, I, a, a genius artillery to pull it off. I think in a generation or two, if you give enough people to kind of live and just live with Hamilton as a musical for, for, like, a good decade or two, and you get a whole new generation of filmmakers who come up who are w- way more willing to mess with time and presentation. If you did like an end of the Spider-Verse kind of like let's fuck with the medium of film presentation of Hamilton, it would way, be way more interesting because I know now if you tried to get uh, a live action adaptation of Hamilton made as a as a film ad- adaptation now, they would give it the f- that fucking hack Rob Marshall who did the shitty ass fucking end of the... It would be the... S- s- they would have to cut half the songs out to make more time for like long, slow, establishing shitty shots of... Si- sh- sh- <laughs> shitty... It's hard to say shitty CGI cities. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> she sits the sleets and shits the sleets. Uh, but, um... But you know exactly, like, but like, I, I think it could happen, but you'd have to wait a while. Not not with the current way Hollywood is and the kind of people who yeah. like given the project. Into the Woods. You watch that 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 show and you're like, this is fantastic. And then you watch the movie, you're it's like, just, it just they did it bad. It's just <laughs> this should have stayed on stage. I I love Into the Woods so much. The fucking Bern- we like we'll just talk about Bernadette Peters for the rest of the episode. But yeah, the original mm-hmm. like stage play film version with like Bernadette Peters and Howard the Duck is so good. But fucking that fucking Rob Marshall piece of shit is so... Mm. Even though that has a pretty good cast, it's got fucking... Well, it's got Chris Pine as one of the princes, which is great, but... Oh, God, fucking Marilyn. But it also has Johnny Depp as the wolf. That's what I'm saying. And you know, like, if someone made fucking... Into, if made Hamilton now, would be like, can we get Johnny Depp as, like, maybe George Washington or something like that? It'd be that kind of fucking... And also, can we make the movie ten times slower and stupider and less fun and... Oh, cut out half God. the songs. Cut out half the fucking songs and, like, ruin the songs they get in there. Exactly, and but, uh, but I, yeah, and this this is <laughs> yeah yeah not not to say that Holly like fucking Hamilton's like the most cutting edge mind blowing thing in the world that it's impossible no. to turn out. But I just don't trust modern Hollywood and the things that make Hamilton so special right now are so unique to the stage play version. I even like the fucking, this is, like, this, for someone who went off, like, fucking hating Hamilton because everyone else loved it, even the fucking, I'm impressed even by the fucking stage, the fucking turntable thing that they do in the middle of the stage and the choreography they, they're yeah. able to do with that, that's unique enough that I'm, like, I was even impressed by that. Oh, turn, well, turntables are pretty big on, like, You uh, shut the fuck shows. up. This is the first time I've seen it, so I'm assuming, seen this, I'm assuming this is the first time it's ever been done. <laughs> but there's all... I mean, exactly, there's yeah. there's a... there's a uh, They walk on that kind of thing on Into the Woods, Bill. Shut the fuck up. Oh, you know, they do... I, I don't know if it's a turntable, but there is, like, a... There's multiple treadmill. Yeah, shut... Mm, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> 
so unique. What is it with me being a lame This is the first time I've seen this stuff. I'm like, they must have invented this. Oh, they have. They, Daniel, I'm gonna blow your mind. They have actors mm-hmm. playing multiple roles. I think that I think they invented that for this because it's the first time I've seen it. <laughs> So exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's never been done uh, before. Which I do like in the play when Jefferson shows up, they really have to drive home the phone. They're like, you haven't seen this guy before, even though you just saw him for the first half of the play. They really drive home the audience. They're like, okay, no, this is a new character. It's Thomas Jefferson. Don't get confused. Um, But yeah, no, I guess we can start talking. Like, I just have notes for like maybe like eight of the songs. Um, I actually just even like the costumes. Uh, when they first start off the play during the Alexander Hamilton number, almost everyone in the, I think everyone in the production is dressed in kind of like white parchment costumes. Uh, but the mm-hmm. only character with any color is Burr because he's the narrator. And I guess they're kind of doing a thing of like, like the ensemble, they're like the parchment, and because narr- Burr's the narrator, he's the one dressed in black, so he's kind of like the ink, which kind of ties into the whole who's telling the story shtick that, that the whole film kind of, or the whole play kind of hangs itself on. Do you, would you call this a play? Is a play like a non musical? No, a play is like, um, uh, uh, like a prose, uh, uh Fucking what's his name? The the reality dudes. Um, what? The reality real till real power. Now I can't well, talk. We both have meltdowns. Yeah, the real tours. Uh, uh, the music the, man. The, the the no the cell cell cell. Um, yeah. Oh no, the fucking yeah. Uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Glenn Ross. Yeah. Yeah. So you do you call it just it's just a musical? I should just call it refer. Yeah, it's a musical. It's a Broadway musical. I want to get the terms right because everyone drives me nuts when people talk about soundtracks, movie instrumental soundtracks, and they're like, "My favorite song in Star Wars." And I'm like, "It's not a song if it doesn't have fucking vocals in it." You fucking dipshit. Mm. I don't want to be like that with musical theater where I'm. This is my favorite play. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just like it was an interesting thing too where I was like reading in the fucking Hamilton book about how. You know, they were like, okay, well, this office is going to be a play about Alexander Hamilton. I guess we're obligated to have some kind of old-timey costuming. And so I guess they did a bunch of experiments trying to combine, um, like, modern dress with old school. Like, you know, everyone's got the frill coats and, like, the little socks and shoes and buckle shoes and shit like that. And, like, nothing yeah. worked until they just realized, like, just putting black and Latino actors in old-timey costumes was enough that, like, that's suddenly when, like, when it, behind the scenes... That's when everyone was like, okay, this might actually work. Just like, just not just even from a costuming perspective, but like, this feels kind of transgressive enough that you have all these like minority actors dressed like the Founding Fathers. Like, that's mm-hmm. enough by itself to kind of like shoot some energy into this thing. This could be interesting. And not that the costumes are super like really like authentic or anything like that. The ensemble costumes are actually mostly just like, uh, just like tights with like interesting tops and shoes and stuff like that. But. Um, but yeah, just you know, the costume design, that was actually really good. Um, it's, uh, the second song, My Shots, which I do like how it is, I'm gonna throw away my shot. Um, I do, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's corny as shit, but I do love that they use every possible use of the word meaning of, of shot in that, from everything from, like, basket, like, I like the ensembles, like, they're miming shooting with a basketball. And, of course, they're talking about, like, drink shots because they're singing in the pub in the tavern. And, of course, they're talking about shots with, you know, like, shooting and stuff like that. Um, and I do like how Lin-Manuel Miranda undercuts Hamilton bragging about himself and proving his worth to everyone he's just met by abruptly apologizing and explaining that he's never had any friends before. 
which mm -hmm. is it's a moment of humility that makes all the braggadocio and the rest of the play easier to swallow because so much of this musical is about fucking Hamilton getting up and talking about my top-notch brain. And it is kind of nice, like his. <laughs> Please never do that. Again. He's that that's what he says. He's but that's how he says it. It's so dorky. But it, I do like at the reunion, he's all like, "Yeah, I never had any friends before." And it's kind of like it's it's kind of exposes Hamilton for being kind of like the, like at least the way he's being presented in the musical as being kind of like this lonely nerd a little bit too, which I thought was kind of nice, a little bit of humanizing. So it's not just I don't know. It's 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 just kind of nice. It rounds off the character a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you think about the Skylar sisters? Those performers, because those fucking two ladies, the two main Skylar sisters. Of course, the joke is there's 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 the third one, Peggy, which she just says and Peggy and, Peggy. and Larry. <laughs> when I first started to sit down and watch Hamilton, I kept on thinking in my brain and kept on pronouncing it as Larry Hamilton. And like just like mm. Larry Appleton from uh, Perfect Strangers, I kept on thinking in my brain I was pronouncing Hamilton, like uh, cousin Balky. Um, You're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I I get the feeling that those two ladies, Eliza and Angelica, are really good performers. I just want to confirm that. Like, is it from your perspective? <laughs> well, are they yeah. Good? That's like, I don't know this yeah. stuff, so I'm like, I don't want to be like crushing on these ladies and embarrass myself. It turns out they're total. You know toes. what, Bill? They sucked ass. I can't believe they were in this. How dare <laughs> well, they? I do like they're kind of interesting because in you have Eliza, Philippa Sue, I guess her name is. And you've got Angelica, who is Renee Goldsberry. And mm -hmm. I didn't realize, this is funny too, because like so many of these people, well, I guess this is five years old, so everyone is a little bit younger than they would be even now, but everyone in this place seems like a little baby to me, because I'm old enough now, like like even by virtue of the fact that so many of the actors in this thing are like in their 20s and stuff, I'm like, oh, you baby children. I didn't realize the lady playing Angelica, the older sister, the one who gets the big, you know, gets a, she's actually older than I am, which made me happy. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's decrepit like me too. But no, like the Skylar sisters number when you first get to meet the sisters, I I do like um, the whole the thing where they're like look around how lucky we are alive right now is just such a nice sentiment. And I love the girls gleefully shoulder jiving about how great New York City is, especially because there's a whole meta thing, of course, because they're in a, pr a production being staged in New York City. And it's all very meta thing towards the audience of like, yeah, to, like look around you and partake of like, you know, how cool it is. Even though, <laughs> this is the other thing too, but Hamilton was first, you know, written and produced during the, the fucking Obama administration. Now, look around, <laughs> aren't you so lucky to be alive right now during the Trump administration, during a pandemic, where it's a little bit more like, maybe not so much, mm. but, um, but yeah, I just love the performers, they're so fucking, especially the lady who plays fucking Angelica, Philippa Sue is great, like, her fucking, we'll get to her towards the end of the thing, because the whole play essentially turns into being about Eliza Hamilton, Hamilton's wife later, but, um, god damn. It's just, I just, the performers, David Diggs, as fucking, he plays Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, he's great. Just the whole cat, I'm trying to think if there's anything, like, particularly weak. I didn't realize King George was fucking Kristoff from Frozen? 
Mm. Um, which that was surprising to me because he doesn't sound anything like like for, because because he's good in this. It doesn't suck ass. Hey, to be fair, Kristoff only really sucks in Frozen Two. Um, but I don't know. I despise his whole. Oh, I'm doing my voice, and this is the voice I do for my reindeer. My reindeer. Well, I do like that's their way of getting essentially a talking reindeer into the movie without actually having a talking reindeer. I thought what's yeah, just... a movie with a magical talking snowman sure would have. It would have just been. It wouldn't have been <laughs> believable if they had, had the reindeer talk. I hate you so much. We're stopping the podcast now forever. <laughs> um, but Frozen is awful. I hate that movie. Oh man, I I still more of a Frozen Frozen defender than I care to admit. Moana's ten times the movie that. Oh, is. I didn't realize fucking uh, the guy who plays George Washington. He was the singing voice of Moana's dad in that movie. Speaking of which, because my next note is about Right Hand Man, which is the song that introduces George Washington. Then Manuel also wrote the the lyrics. Oh the shit, that's that. right. Because it's so funny in Man in in, in Moana when the songs come up, because you can totally hear, especially after watching Hamilton, you can totally recognize Lin Manuel's voice. And he's like, ah, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but that's good. Yeah, songs. that's it. You nailed it. Ah, da, da, da. <laughs> Well, I also wrote one of the songs for, like, he wrote an alien song for the uh, first Star Wars sequel, too, which you can kind of recognize his voice in there, too, but, um, but yeah, so fucking after the Skylar Sisters, King George comes out and he has this little song to the audience, which is big meta funny moment, because he's all, like, petty and, and a little shit, but, um, mm-hmm. I did like how the play reestablishes the musical, I guess I should say, the musical reestablishes the stakes after King George's goofy first appearance. Uh, by showing him overseeing the murder of one of the ensemble, who is, that's the Lady Ariana DeBose that I'm so fucking profoundly Princess Peach in love with, uh, <laughs> uh, who, there's this whole thing people talk about, bec- her character is supposedly called the Bullet, I mean, she's just one of the random people in the ensemble, but she keeps on coming back whenever anyone's firing guns at each other, she'll do this miming thing where she's pretending to hold the bullet in her fingers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much this is actually something that was intentional versus some, this is some kind of like fan fiction cooked up by the Hamilton fans that like, yeah, she is a character called quote unquote the bullet who like symbolizes death and stuff because I guess for the whole rest of the play, whenever she shows up, most of the characters she interacts with them die pretty quickly afterwards and stuff like that. I guess she's the Hamilton equivalent of the oranges and the Godfather where whenever uh, oranges show up, people end up dead. Uh, dying in the next scene and stuff, but fucking oranges, fucking man. oranges. But yeah, no. But after King George disappears, I do love like there's just a random soldier that breaks her neck and kills her while King George is like watching from the distance. And it is a kind of nice way to reset the stakes. And suddenly the song goes into. I don't actually care about like theatrical lighting very much, but suddenly there's this whole thing about how everyone, all the pretty much the whole ensemble and most of the cast come out and they start singing about. 32,000 troops in New York Harbor. And it's all kind of sad and quiet and slow and weird. But they did this really good uh-huh. lighting effect of kind of like water reflecting off the ocean. Or not the ocean. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe it's the Hudson River. Well, no, it's the harbor. It's open up to the open sea. But it's really kind of nice and spooky. And it's all kind of like, what are we going to do? There's so many people and uh, bad people in New York City. Who are we going to get to fight them? Oh, but then they. What are we going to do? <laughs> what we're gonna do but then they i love they introduced george washington they introduce him like it's almost like a wrestling match it's great because then you got burke comes out and he's like we got we now the man who you've been waiting for and from this is one of the few things in this production 
that is interesting from a camera perspective because it turns out they nested a camera in the rear wall of the stage seemingly just for this one shot where George Washington is first introduced where it's a reverse shot of it's the cameras looking out from the backstage out to the crowd and you see Washington he comes out and he's looking pensive at the ca well not really directly at the camera but enough that like it's this weird it's literally just like at like a, like a two second shot of him kind of looking pensive it's like a private moment before he turns to the audiences and, and introduces himself uh which i thought was really kind of interesting it's just a quick uh, editorial they, i don't know i just thought that was kind of cool they do that when he leaves for the last oh they do that oh, okay cool yeah uh but he also gets one of the biggest bangers because it's just like him just the whole big thing about how great washington well not even great i do like well, so much of the how they present Washington in this is about like how he's great in despite all of his failures, and that's what he, one thing he keeps on trying to teach Hamilton throughout the play is that like he's not perfect, he's fucked up a whole bunch of ways, and he's trying to impart some of the hard-won wisdom that he's gained throughout all of his battles, literally and figuratively, his battles throughout his life. Uh, mm -hmm. But from <laughs> this is one of the also rare bits in the musical that I thought from an instrumental. Um, orchestration perspective I thought was interesting because there's this whole I don't know is there a live is there a live band is there a, there's not a live orchestra playing any of this stuff right no because there's, there's not there's, a pit there's no orchestra there's no orchestra pit, no. I do know that the guy who's who's doing all the music stuff he's working under the stage because you see him come out at the end he's got like a little he's got a little pit so I'm assuming he's yeah this must be all pre-recorded and stuff and of course they play a lot with that with the music and this it's like a lot of scratching and mixing stuff that can't you know obviously that's not gonna be a live orchestra that's like you know fucking that's probably stuff done in garage band or whatever the fuck but uh for whenever shit's getting real with the war stuff and especially with George Washington's introduction in this musical there's like the sizzling white noise sound that they drop in, which is kind of like almost like a not even a danger motif, but it's almost like a mortality, like shit's getting real, like a musical signature, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so he comes out and there's a whole big song by George Washington. I can't remember what it is, but it's just really nice. And by the end, he's like chosen fucking Hamilton as right hand man and even pulls out his sword and is like, and my right hand man. Do, 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 do. I thought it was kind of nice and a big dramatic punch. Um, and also, I think it's during that musical, too, where, uh, Burr is trying to get in good with Washington. He's like, mm -hmm. hey, I got some ideas about what we could do to make the war go better. And I do like the thing that Washington, for no other reason, the Burr just seems to be like this Jerry Gergich kind of character. Uh, Gergich is, Jerry Gergich is a character from Parks and Recreation who is rationally hated by everyone else in, 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 in the show for... No particular other reason other than just weird, like, interpersonal chemistry. Yeah. I do like this is already establishing that, like, Burr already has bad luck because Washington just kind of dismisses it for no reason other than just he's not as good as Hamilton. And Hamilton sneaks in and suddenly becomes, like, George Washington's right-hand man, and this is kind of, like, planting the seeds of Burr's animosity towards, uh, 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 Hamilton. And it's cuts from... I'm sorry, did you have anything else to say? I don't mean to keep on just yelling no, at keep you going. about Hamilton. You're fine. Um, yeah, if I have any thoughts, I'll interrupt I'm, half, I'm, I'm through a lot of my notes, so... Um, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's funny, because most of my notes are during the first half of the play, because... Uh, yeah. Uh, but it goes from there, from, uh, to Helpless. Um, I do love... I can't remember how they cut from all this Battlefield stuff. Oh, I think Burr's just coming out talking about how, how much, like, he's essentially saying as much as we love to fight, we also love the ladies! 
and there's so <laughs> many women to deflower. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great, just like Rogadachio thing again with all the dudes. Bill, you gotta when this comes back, yeah, and it's touring around the nation. You gotta audition the ladies. Don't it? Which who, who am I gonna go for? You can play any of the roles. I can play Hercules Mulligan. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. I want you know what by virtue of sir, you are spitting the fattest of beasts. Oh God, yeah, I could play. What can I play? I can't think of anything. (laughs) There's no big fat round things I could play in the play. There's no boulders like Indiana Jones. (laughs) Uh, But okay, so like this because like I guess what you consider the slowest part of Act One, which is you got the double whammy of helpless and satisfied. Helpless is um, it's reestablishing the Skylar sisters. Uh, it's essentially, um, Helpless is pretty much just Hamilton meeting his future wife, and, uh, it's, it's, it's actually pretty good, because, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's wise enough to rocket through all the relationship proposal marriage stuff between Alexander and Eliza as fast as possible, knowing that, Mm. like, that's not, like, you can do funny stuff, but, like, it's not, that's not really the point of the play, so while they do, he does do some funny dramatic stuff with that, like, they go through it quickly because that's not really relevant to the plot. Uh, the, the, you know, of course, of course, Eliza becoming his wife is relevant to the plot, but how they men got married, not, not, not so much. Um, but I do love when they get married. Fucking, they bring back Hercules Mulligan. He's the flower girl. He comes out and throws some flowers and everyone in the audience laughs and stuff like that. And I like how they even segue from all the military stuff into helpless uh by everyone's like they're showing all the guys getting horny for all the girls in 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 new york and <laughs> the way they stage hamilton burr and lawrence seg uh segueing from flirting with all the ladies into the plucked strings of helpless by way of their little horn dog shuffle is pretty cute right at the top of the song and then it gets into like alexander meeting eliza and the rest of the skylar sisters and falling in love and it's Interesting, too, because Helpless is, like, the first big song for Eliza Schuyler, Hamilton's wife. And mm-hmm. it really only seems to exist, though, to set up Satisfied, which is the next song, which is the song sung by Eliza's sister, the taller, the black lady, who is, I hate being that reductive, but, like, when it's talking about the sisters, it's season, whatever. But it's funny, too, because... Oh, God, it's... I, Satisfied is probably the most emotionally complex song in the whole thing. One uh, before I move off on the Satisfied, one more interesting note from Helpless though is before it, it suddenly turns into being all about Angelica Schuyler. Um, during the wedding between Alexander Hamilton and Liza, she's getting all these notes and stuff like that, which she's collecting all these letters that like, love letters that Alexander Hamilton is writing her, which become the letters she burns later at the end of the end of the play during her her number uh, uh, burn, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, but, yeah, Satisfied, that takes me way into Satisfied, which is, yeah, Renee Goldberry, Goldsberry's big, uh, musical number in the thing, and she's a fucking monster, I fucking love her performance in this thing. Um, there's a lot of clever use of, uh, turning the stage turntable counterclockwise to suggest rewinding time, because right after, um, Eliza and Hamilton get married, uh, oh, it cuts to the reception, and everyone's cheering on the married couple, and then you got uh, Angelica here, and she's, like, toasting the couple. And suddenly cuts into, she's suddenly regretting. Not regretting, but, like, it, it's funny, because none of this has anything to do with the plot. It's all just very emotional, weird stuff. Um, it speaks to what a great performance 
uh, Renee Goldsberry hands in, and what an emotionally sticky song it is that even in the play, technically this whole subplot has nothing to do with the uh, with the plot other than to drive home how profoundly Hamilton is fucked up when even Angelica slaps him down after the Reynolds paper incident later in the play, later in the musical. But it's such a fucking sad song, and it does such a great job recontextualizing everything we just saw in the number before it that mm-hmm. Satisfied kind of single-handedly makes its own case for being one of the big showstoppers in the whole dang production. It's just... Yeah, I mean, the fact that, like, um, Hamilton's sister-in-law is also in love with him, it really has no... Con- it's it's just character-building stuff. It doesn't have anything to do with the plot. But yeah, but the, but, but the performance is so good. And yeah, it's just... It's just really nice. And this is one of those things where if they ever did a... A film adaptation of Hamilton they were probably cut because again it has nothing to do specifically with the plot but it's such good character stuff that it would be such a shame to get rid of it and yeah I don't think anyone would really fight to keep it unless you kind of grew up with this musical and like you would really like emotionally you kind of need it because it's it's high stakes enough that it feeds into a lot of things later but we'll return after these messages spring from Vivaldi's Four Seasons, one of my all-time favorites. And now, let's make that random call with today's $10,000 question. It's a tough one. Who shot Alexander Hamilton in that famous duel? Alright, let's go to the phones and see who's out there. Hello? Hello, for $10,000, who shot... Excuse me? Hold on, get some milk. I'm afraid your time is almost up. I'm sorry, maybe next time. What's the first duel in the thing? Um, uh, it's the one where, uh... Uh, the guy insults Washington and oh, that's what it is. And they shoot him, and like they have to. It's 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 yeah. It's it's it's, it's one of the other commanding officers. Oh, and that's the whole thing where like oh, that's that's why my note ends up here is because uh, the ten dual commandments. It's the first time you establish the rules of the commandments, commandments, which they're only setting up now because it becomes a big thing. With I didn't realize actual Hamilton's son <laughs> actually, I guess he did died for duel really in real life too, as documented mm-hmm. later on the musical. But of course, that becomes the big thing, also setting up the rules for like the very end of the play because. That's why the whole play exists. Uh, but there's a little bit I really like at the end of Ten Duel Commandments after Washington is yelling at everyone for like the infighting with his in, within his own army. Uh, there's a bit where Hamilton accidentally loses a shit at Washington for calling him son one too many times, uh, forcing mm-hmm. Washington to send Hamilton away from the war uh, front to cool down and get his shit together. Which at first you think Washington is just doing that just for Washington or for Hamilton's sake, but then you find out that like. Hamilton goes home and finds out that, like, his wife is actually expecting, so... Like, it's more like, uh, Washington's trying to protect Hamilton and not giving him a command just by sending him home because he's got a son and he doesn't realize it yet. But it's such the moment where Hamilton freaks out at George Washington is such, like, a West Wing moment because that's such a big thing they did on the West Wing where you'd have this hard-working and overstressed right-hand man loving their their dad boss too much. It's just, like, that's a thing that happened on the West Wing all the time, where everyone working for the president would be like, I love you, president, so much, I'm gonna get angry, and blah, 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 and they do that here, and it's such, like, a goofy... Oh, God, it feels... 
it feels like a relic of an older time too, where people actually gave a shit about the West Wing because the West Wing seems so child childishly naive these days. But mm. anyway, but so that's that's the but um the room where it happens is kind of it's the closest thing this mu- this musical has to a villain song. It's Burr's mm-hmm. big song where he. Uh, well, no, he does have a song that justifies why he's temperamentally the opposite of Hamilton. It's called Wait For It, where he talks about how um, his parents died and he's waiting for, like, he, it, it, whereas Hamilton is, he's, Hamilton's always hot-headed and always goes out and gets stuff and is willing to step on toes for stuff. Burr is just genetically engineered just to be, like, to, to step back and kind of wait and see how things pan out before... He tries to manipulate the situation, but that's not really a villain song. The room where it happens is interesting. It's, it's, I just love the fucking, there's this banjo accompaniment with the song that for some reason just utterly makes the song. I have no idea why. Um, but the room where it happens, aside from also being kind of a villain song for Burr, also doubles nicely for exposition for the founding of Washington, D.C., uh, and ex- explaining Hamilton's national debt plan. It also is justification for why I guess we're in the second half, uh, the second half of the play now. Um, justification for Madison and Jefferson's desire to nuke Hamilton politically, and lays the groundwork for why Burr, uh, following Hamilton's example, decides he's going to finally dive headlong into politics, which sets up the whole end of the play because Hamilton ends up accidentally, not even accidentally, ends up intentionally kind of like destroying. Uh, burst political prospects uh but yeah and but it's 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 essentially the one big show-stopping moment for leslie autumn jr who plays i guess you won you don't want to pool it sir what do you win in is it the tonys yeah, yeah he wanted he, he i guess he got the tony for best actor as a result of this play and he got it for the, a lot of people say it's i mean he got it for the whole musical but like this is this is his big show-stopping moment in 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 hamilton and, uh, but yeah, it's just funny that, like, he gets to show off, but then there's all this, all this other crazy plot stuff packed into this one fucking song, which is, uh, for, which is kind of remarkable, because, like, as a Lin-Manuel Miranda, this is the only second play he's ever written, musical, whatever the fuck you want to call it, but he's clever enough, like, he's written good songs, the songs are good enough, almost all the songs in this are, do, do multiple things at the same time in terms of, like, m- moving multiple parts of the plot forward, or doing character development things, which, I've seen people fucking... Again, I'm not a super fucking play expert, but I've seen other people who are supposed to be experts in this field. Fucking, fucking Andrew Lloyd Webber can't do that half the time. But fucking, <laughs> at least Lin-Manuel Miranda can, so at least, that helps. Even though this thing is like fucking three hours long, it doesn't quite feel that long. At least if you've bought it, bought into the Kool-Aid. Of course, of course, if you don't like this, it's going to feel six hours long if you're trying to watch it. But yeah. if you're enjoying it like I am... It doesn't feel quite that long. I'm shocked. So you said you should watch this goddamn thing twice, right? Yeah. Get out of your goddamn mind. Thank you so much, Daniel. You're a goddamn lifesaver. I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other song I have a note on is One Last Time, which is essentially it's Washington's exit from the story. He calls up what, mm-hmm. Hamilton. And he's like, hey, guess what? I'm leaving. I'm. I'm. Uh, I've had one term of an office. I think he only had one term of. Peace office. out, nerd. Yeah, t- <laughs> God, 
Hamilton does that, and he's like, hey, I need you to write my uh, exit speech for this shit. And Hamilton's all like, what are you fucking doing? Like, you're the one person keeping the union together. We need you here. And I do love Washington saying, that's why I need to leave. He specifically says, like, I need to go because I need, we need to be able to teach the people to say goodbye. We need to set a precedent that, like, once you're in power, the president can leave at the height of his power. And, like, we have to teach them to get along without us. Like, like, yeah, I want this country to outlive me. I don't want it to, like, I don't want to stay in power for so long that, that no one can imagine how America can, can, can work without me. Which is, I guess, I mean, that's that, that that's what happened in real life. But to present this musically in, a, in a, like, essentially an opera is kind of complex. But they managed to pull it off. And there's a nice little sentiment that, Washington goes off about, like, sitting beneath your own vine and fig tree here as both of a justification for the American people having to move on without him, and also Washington's own desire to finally have a little bit of a retirement before he dies, too. Not that I think he knew he was going to die anytime soon or anything like that, but... And the fact that, uh... <laughs> was a weird note. I was... I can tell I wrote this at 2 o'clock in the morning. I find it <laughs> weird that... <laughs> I found it weird that they sing about George Washington as going home as Washington climbs a cardboard cutout radio tower and then falls into a swimming pool after being shot by two agents from transsexual Transylvania. Because it's funny because he's going home. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I got gone. you, though. Yeah, I got you. The funniest jokes are the ones you have to explain. Oh, I explained stuttering <laughs> over myself and then explain it twice more and then have to keep on with Laugh, Daniel. Laugh. I, well, I, I got it. Oh, I got one more <laughs> joke coming up. It's a, it's a fucking home okay. dinger. Okay, let me get my... Yeah, uh, yeah, let me pull something. my pant leg up so I can get my knee ready to slap. <laughs> oh, God, I hate everybody. <laughs> How long are we into this? I can't tell if we're doing this for five. Okay, we're done. Okay, this is actually going to be normal like that episode. Yeah, it's not going to be too long. I, I'm kind of getting towards the end. Uh, <clears throat> I have the hurricane. I guess this is the song after um, Hamilton gets busted for sticking his dick in pork that wasn't his. Um... <laughs> I guess I could have said that. You have a way with words, Bill. I'm inspired by Lin-Manuel Miranda. If you can do that, I can do it, too. Um, Mm -hmm. This number by itself almost single-handedly justifies the turntable flooring thing. Just because that's the thing where, like, he's riding in the eye of the hurricane. And, like, Mm -hmm. everyone's picking up, like, stuff to make it look like there's a hurricane going around him, which looks really cool. Even though it's a couple... Kind of funny, because there's a couple parts of the ensemble that are just holding, like, a single piece of paper or something like that. And I'm like, well... That's not, he could have been doing something more interesting than during the hurricane part, but like one lady's just like, I got a piece of paper. I got to pretend this piece of paper is flying through the air. It just makes me laugh. Um, yeah. <laughs> shut up, Bill. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda says that Hamilton wrongly comes to the uh, wrong conclusion here and that he can write out of his way out of this mess like he's done every other problem in his life, which I thought was an oh, interesting yeah. bit of commentary from the Hamilton book. Because, um, granted, there's no way of fixing what he's done. Because this is where the Hamilton comes up with the idea of essentially printing a zine about how he cheated on his wife and distributing it to every man, woman, and child in America. Maybe he didn't necessarily have to print the zine, but, like, I guess coming clean. I mean, this news was going to come out either way, so I don't know what other options Hamilton had here. But it's funny that Lin-Manuel Miranda specifically cites what Hamilton done did as being wrong. I mean, of course. Well, he done did. Of course, you know, fucking is not his not his wife was wrong, but like in terms of like how he handled it afterwards, which is funny too, because everyone else in the rest of the play is like, "Holy shit, I've never seen anyone blow anyone politically blow their own brains out the way that Hamilton just did." Especially, yeah, Jefferson by David Diggs is just like, "Oh shit, he's in traction." 
Um, but <laughs> again, with I love fucking David Diggs, and I wonder if this is a big star making turn from him, but I love his Jefferson. Uh, he's making it rain with fat stacks of the Reynolds pamphlet while singing, he ain't, he ain't ever gonna be president now. And it's, just, it's like half the rest of the number. It's just the fucking Jefferson just dancing with like fucking, yeah, just, just making it rain with the pamphlets. It's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love the rest of the cast uh, taking such, such joy in the downfall of Alexander Hamilton, someone who's like been sucking his dick so much for the rest of the play. It's nice to see him. Not that it's nice to see him fall, but like... It is funny to see all well, this. Well, other... he was kind of a piece of he shit. He was kind of a piece of shit, both within the play and historically, too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I, mean, here's a shocking twist. Yeah. Most of the founding fathers were pieces of shit. And that's the other thing, too. When people, like I said, there was, there was the whole, like, woke demolition at least, derby. At least, at least, like, Burr was fighting against slavery and, uh, to abolish slavery and yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's one of the things I was saying about the, like, the woke demolition derby that came out in the wake of this thing was, like, everyone complaining about how like they didn't talk about slavery enough and during the thing and like which i guess there was more specific stuff about like the fact that the founding fathers were all slavers which i mean they, mm-hmm. they, they do it's not like they ignore it in in the finished version of of, of the musical uh, in fact fucking there's the whole thing no there's there's you have the rap battles between fucking jefferson and hamilton where hamilton's very pointedly talking about we know who's doing the planting like yeah it's not mm-hmm. ignored and if like although well, there's a little bit with George Washington and slavery towards the end of the thing. I, literally, it's like the last five minutes of the play that I'll talk about them in just a bit. Because I am almost right at the end of this thing. Um, there's the number Burn, which is uh, Hamilton's Burn. wife, Eliza. She's all sad because mm-hmm. his, yeah, her fucking idiot husband had to put out a zine with <laughs> illustrated diagrams where exactly he put his dick all over that Reynolds lady. Um, mm-hmm. The first time I watched this, I thought that uh, the musical number Burn was just a song that cynically existed just to give a knockout song to uh, one of the female cast members. Just because this is a really... This this, this musical is kind of a sausage party, aside from the two Skylar sisters. Well, and I guess the lady yeah. who fucking... Who Hamilton cheated It's on. almost like back then, most of politics was oh, a sausage party. Oh, I know, party. but... Um, there's that line where they say, Hey, ladies, tell your husbands to vote for me. But it is like, there's always like... You always have that like slow number in a musical, which always seems to be almost exists just to show off like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's like the best actress. Shapoopy. Yeah, well, not even quite a shapoopy, because at least I, the audience is invested in, in seeing what Hamilton, what, what what Eliza's reaction to all this. Because like, up until this musical moment, it's all been like how um, Hamilton's extramarital affair is going to kill him politically. And of course, everyone's waiting because if 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 you're watching this and you're not invested in Eliza, you're fucking robot who doesn't enjoy joy in his life so you're just waiting to see what eliza's how she's gonna react to all this and of course this song is, is about her reacting to it uh but i do love that it's how what like an open and honest look at the mess from eliza's wounded perspective this song is and it's not like her screaming or freaking out or anything like that but it's just, she's so quietly wounded. It's like one of those things where, like, when your parents, you know, you're f- the fucked up when your parents aren't angry, but it's kind of like disappointed, kind of angry. She's like, mm-hmm. she's like Marge Simpson, like, when Homer steals the video game. She's not, like, screaming and angry. She's just like, I don't know what to do. This, I'm so fundamentally broken by this, like, a blue screen of death kind of thing. I can't believe Homer stole that video game. It's, is that what happened? 
Well, I'm confusing Apparently, metaphors. that's what I'm you said. I'm confusing metaphors with like a, a mom being disappointed with her son versus a lady being disappointed with her cheating husband. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, but uh, it does also, this number also does sow the seeds for all the talk about the meta talk about narrative that takes up the rest of the, the end of the play. Uh, because Elias is essentially standing up declaring to the audience that she's going to intentionally wipe herself out of the story and from the rest of the play by burning all this correspondence that could have possibly even redeemed Hamilton uh, that she and her husband have written to each other for all their lives. She's like, no, fuck it. Like, mm -hmm. the world has no right to my heart. The world has no right to me. Like, my reaction. I'm, I'm removing myself from this equation. Fuck. And, like, she's saying this from this perspective. She's almost, like, viewing her own life in, t in the context of history. It's not like... A moment from the inside out where she's like oh fuck you i hate you i'm gonna burn this because i hate you so much it's more like like yeah you're hamilton you're obviously gonna be this big part of history but like fuck you i'm not gonna let me get dragged into like everyone like seeing how i felt about this because you've hurt me so much I, it is a very nice it's simultaneously like cold and hurt so wounded at the same time it just it's, it's interesting presentation um mm -hmm. which um skips forward a little bit because then uh, her son goes nuts. He, she gets wiped out in a fucking duel because people are shit talking Hamilton, and her the the, the, the Hamilton and Liza's son dies, uh, which leads to uh, the song "It's Quiet Uptown," which I uh, this should be boring as shit to me. I don't know why I like this so much. This is one of the things why I actually this is when I realized I actually kind of liked Hamilton and wasn't just tolerating it with. There's moments in this play that I should be utterly bored by that, but I was actually actually still invested in, too. Mm -hmm. And this song about Hamilton and Eliza after the death of their son, the fact that I was still invested in, even in this, I was like, oh shit, this play's got me by the balls. Um, God damn it! But the fact that they decided that... Of course, there's a lot of drama to be wrought by the fact that, like, Hamilton and his wife's their son gets murdered in this duel, especially since it kind of mirrors what's going to happen to Hamilton in just five minutes. Uh, but the fact that it, like, paints such a, such a picture of the not-so-obvious, like, un quote-unquote unimaginable mundane stupor that follows in the death of a loved one is nice. Like, I love that the fallout of their kid's death isn't, like, a bunch of rending and wailing and screaming and crying. It's just Eliza and Alexander just trying to move on. And mm -hmm. keep on living, but, like, life is just kind of reduced. And it's funny, too, because, um, I can't, I can't remember if the song is called, if it's, it is called It's Quiet Uptown versus Unforget, uh, Unimaginable, because that's the refrain throughout the whole thing, is, uh, Eliza and Alexander dealing with the unimaginable. Well, you know, they're, 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 mm -hmm. they're, they're son yeah. dying. But I do love <laughs> more of a meta perspective. Uh, this the, the unimaginable in in the, for at least in terms of what this musical number is, needs to do in the context of the play is justify why Eliza suddenly kind of forgives Hamilton in literally the next musical number after she burned all of her papers and swore she would never forgive her or anything like that and the fact that like oh there's also you can also assume there's a pretty huge time jump or a little bit here because they kind of suggest that like after uh their kid died they've moved uptown and like they've had some time to process so it's not like it's not like alexander's wife is forgiving him like the day after she he cheated on her but 
it is and you kind of need uh, Alexander and Eliza to be on good terms for the whole ending to work because so much of the ending is about Eliza's reaction to Alexander's death um, so yeah again it's another song it's quite uptown slash unforgivable just doing multiple things to progress the story and also evolve the characters and kind of move the characters where they need to be for the rest of the story to work is yeah whenever a musical number can do multiple things like that that effectively and it still feels emotionally honest by the end of it always always give thumbs up to that stuff but i do love and then all that stuff gets undercut because suddenly have jefferson comes out and he just says can we get back to politics and which i do love it's a great just way to just kind of like reset everything back to like okay let's get back to the story um and yeah the last two big things are uh, the duel and who lies and who tells your story who lives mm-hmm. and who dies who tells your story not who who lives um so yeah there's who lives? the whole thing about how burr is running for god because at first i think they kind of combine it because originally it's about how uh, Angelica and, and Eliza's dad, Philip Schuyler, he's a politician in New York, and he decides he he like he he gets run out of office by Burr. Burr becomes a politician and actually successfully runs against him. And but yeah. then suddenly it turns into about how Burr is trying to become president, and he's running against Thomas Jefferson. And they don't really cleanly delineate between the two within the play, so you just have to assume there's a big time jump in the middle of this uh, the song, or I guess in multiple songs, whatever. But yeah, it's all set up that like there's this whole big thing. The nation is waiting to see who, even though I guess Alexander Hamilton has just destroyed himself politically, he's still well regarded enough that like everyone's waiting to see what his opinion is as to who should be the next president. Should it be Aaron Burr? Should it be Thomas Jefferson? And he chooses Jefferson specifically because he even tells Burr that like you still don't stand for anything. You're you're milk toast. You're, you run another hotter, uh, hotter cold. I spit you out like lukewarm water, as another famous 19th century American would say. Um, and so that inspires Burr to go nuts and decide he's gonna, he wants to have a duel with uh, with uh, Hamilton and blow his brains out. And so that leads up to uh, the duel. Uh, the first time I saw this. Uh, so they have the duel, they do the, the one, two, ten, one, two, the, the, they do the Ten Commandments thing, and Hamilton gets shot. And the first time I saw this, I thought Hamilton's soliloquy during the time freeze after he gets shot was what was going through his head in between Burr shooting and the shot hitting Hamilton. Which, to be fair, that's how the play is, is staging it, because Hamilton, or uh, Burr shoots, and, and... Actually, you, you have... Uh, uh, Ariana DeBose comes out and she's playing the bullet again. She's like like slowly moving the bullet towards Hamilton while he goes into the soliloquy. But now mm. watching it again a second time, I'm like, okay, I think this is more generally Hamilton thinking, thinking through his three choices as the bullet is coming at him. He hasn't been shot yet. Uh, he can either run, fire his gun, or let it be. And of course, his cho- his his eventual choice within, at least within the context of the play, who knows what the real Hamilton did in this situation. But he chooses to quote-unquote raise a glass to freedom and literally throws away his shot by pointing his gun into the air. Which they explained earlier when he was explaining how to duel to his son right before his son got wiped out was one of the things you can do is if even at the last possible moment you want you want to decide that you don't want to take a life, you can just raise your gun to the air and like everyone can call off the duel. Which, I guess in real life, reading about the actual Alexander Hamilton, uh, it seems to be a 50-50 split between people thinking that's what Hamilton was trying to do. But like he like and I guess he before 
they dueled, he had written a note saying that how much he did not want to kill Burr, which would justify mm-hmm. why he would suddenly like like throw his gun in the air rather than actually try to attack Burr. Uh, but at least the way that the, the way they what the, the, the way the, the the musical interprets it is that yeah, like Hamilton through this like soliloquy, he finally comes to the conclusion that he would rather get taken out than than take another life. And it, get, it gets a little maudlin because he's sitting there like he's all like. Oh, I can see Ow. the ghosts of everyone. <laughs> here's here's Lawrence and here's George Washington looking after me. I'll be with you, Mom. I'm coming to you. And he gets shot and he gets taken out. And he goes, he, he dies and goes, but what do you think would be the end of the play? The musical, the production, whatever you want to call it. What did I think would be the end of it? Yeah, what did you, no, I'm just saying, well, you, that's what you would think, though, because Hamilton got shot and dead. That's the end of the story, right? Oh no! There's always a song after. Yeah, I didn't like know that. that, and I was like, "Why are they still singing? Why is it all about Eliza?" Because it goes on for a that's while. That's like saying, "That's like saying I saw an opera and somebody got killed, and then they sung for five minutes after they got killed." Yeah, that's how it works. And when Mad Max ends, when they spill the toy, the t- tanker truck over, it doesn't go on for another twenty minutes about how sad he is about the tanker truck being spilled over and being filled with sand. Um, but, yeah, when I first watched, that, that just shows how, like, illiterate I am when it comes to musical theater, that, like, I'm not have used you, to, yeah. Have you seen any musical theater in real in life? life? Yeah. You know what, that's one of the things I think I kind of, like, love about, that. that's one of the things that, could, like, took me back about, uh, watching Hamilton is, I don't think I've ever actually, aside from seeing, like, a, like, a stage production of Peter Pan, in which Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, sat in front of me at the Pittsburgh Playhouse when I was, like, 12, like my only live theater experiences are was in high school because I went to I went to a high school for the creative performing arts and half you know half the half the students were all theater majors and singers and dancers and stuff like that and so they would put on weekly performances that we would all see and of course occasionally they would have put on plays and stuff like that too but I don't think I've fuck I don't <laughs> think I've ever actually seen. Like, or outside of, like, a school field trip, even, as an adult. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen Mystery Science, this Mystery Science Theater 3000 live on tour counts. I mean, they sing no. songs. <laughs> and it's live. No. But, like, it's funny now, that because I was so nostalgic, because I was, like, watching this stuff, thinking about how it reminded me of being back at Kappa, my high school. But now that uh-huh. I'm like, oh, shit, that's because I don't have any other experience with live musical theater other than high school. Shit. Mm. Which... You know what? Now that the way the world is, that I think I may have I may have missed my shots. Like that's yeah, maybe. Oh, either that or it's gonna. Even, oh man, I didn't even think about how I was gonna say it may even be better because I get to go to the theater and like there's only gonna be the other three other people in the audience. But then like are like our performers live on stage gonna have to wear masks and stuff like that? And would that interfere with their singing or their ability to project? That's gonna be God. It's man. It's so weird how this pandemic's gonna be reshaping everything in the world in ways that no one has still really thought about yet. But anyway, but. I was surprised that, like, literally, because I was expecting Hamilton to get shot, and then, like, he would fall mm-hmm. down and just roll credits. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, why is there still singing? Um, yeah, the, the last ten minutes of the musical are... Uh, I did, like, rather than it being about eulogizing Alexander Hamilton even more, which we did not need, because the whole goddamn musical up to this point is about how fucking great and grand and super smart and super cool Alexander Hamilton is. I did like that it turns out to be all about his wife, Eliza, and truly, it is about who lives, who dies, and who tells your story. Um, 
like Liza seems to recognize at the end of the, the literally the final act of the play, but we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, well, I guess we'll get into that now because there's not much to talk about. Do it. Uh, so, w what did you think about literally the final moment of the play? Because it's the, the whole ensemble comes out. They're singing about who lives, who lies, who tells your story. It's this big meta thing about like no matter what you do in life, like how your life is is interpreted is always left up to the history books. Even if you're not rich or famous or anything like that, still like what your what your total contribution to society is still determined by other people who tell your mm -hmm. story and uh, they go off on this whole thing about Eliza lived for like another 50 years after the events of the play she outlives everyone else we've seen in, in, in the story and um, it's they, they go off she's like founds the first uh, national uh, or the first uh, like private uh, orphanage in New York City and stuff and like all these yeah. other ghosts of all the other characters come out and are all like fondling over and stuff. And this is the one thing I did like with Washington. Washington's ghost comes out and he's all like, Eliza, she raises funds to raise the national monument. She tells my story. And then someone comes out and says, Oh, and Liza, she did this for like anti slavery stuff. And then it's this weird moment that like this is something I didn't parse until I read in the in in the the Hamilton book. Is that when mm -hmm. someone else mentions about how she did all this work to like to, to, to be abolitionist, you know, anti-slavery? Uh, Washington's ghost suddenly gets all sad because he's suddenly shamed by the mention of slavery. <laughs> he's and he's like, like, "Oh, I can't have slaves That's anymore." That's kind of what he does. <laughs> it's uh, you have to go back because he's only he's doing it in the background because he's so happy about like, yeah, my national monument. She told my story, and then suddenly someone else mentions slaves, and he gets all like, "Oh, poo poo." <laughs> Just like, I, it's funny because I'm laughing at it now, but I actually genuinely think it is, it's, it's a touching moment because this strikes upon another interesting thing from just a, from a creative perspective and the fact that you have this musical that is filled with so many black actors and they are playing so many of these fucking awful fucking slave owners that mm -hmm. like all these actors had to kind of reconcile with that one or the other. And I was reading an interview with, uh, it was Christopher Jackson, the guy who plays, um, George Washington, he was like, yeah, like, I'm not, like, really trying to present, like, an, an historical representation of who I thought George Washington was, because it sounds like, you know, at least from a slavery perspective, he was a reprehensible person, but I have to kind of create this new version of this character in my head that makes emotional sense for me. And so he kind of, he said even himself, he kind of created this, like, headcanon of, like, Washington goes out and he sees, his ghost comes out and he sees, like, all this stuff that Lysa's done to like stop slavery and stuff and he feels ashamed in that moment and he said like it's moments like that that's the only way i could like make sense of this character for me in a way that i could play it honestly and not feel like i would just like fucking propaganda bullshit and so i thought that was kind of an interesting creative choice even though it's kind of like you can kind of laugh it's a little goofy once you point it out but i was like oh that's a very interesting creative choice and again as someone i'm not an actor but thinking about how you have to kind of work what? around no <laughs> i am sitting here with a giant ruff with a skull in my hand because mm -hmm. I do like when no one else is looking. I'm like, oh, forsooth and prospero. Uh, but, like, again, it's something I don't think about. Because, yeah, because I'm not an actor. And I never think about, like, especially being a minority actor in a production like this. The weird corners you have to think around. And justifications for this, like, material to make sense. Like, the, I don't know. It's just very interesting. But anyway. So it's all this stuff about how Eliza did this. And she was so great. And suddenly, fuck it. This is one of the nice bits, too, where I think... 
the staging of the fact that, like, the fact that it's filmed and the film can kind of direct your attention, I think kind of, like, is a nice little moment that the movie takes advantage of, where she's, like, singing and stuff like that, and you kind of see in the background blurry, you see Lin-Manuel Miranda come out in the background, you see that he's there, and but, like, the way, like, they, enough that you recognize he's there, but he's not the focus of the moment, so it's not that distracting when he comes out, or as if it was live mm -hmm. production, you would totally, okay, this must be, like, the last final moment, because, like, it's the ghost of Hamilton coming out to accept the lies up to heaven, or whatever the fuck's gonna happen at the end. But the way, yeah, the way it's filmed, it's a little more, they can kind of obscure him a little bit, which, so it's a nice su surprise when he shows up. Um, but then he, uh, he comes out, he takes her hand, and he turns her towards the audience, and suddenly she gasps. And that's 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 it. That's the end. The lights go down. That's the end of the production. And I was like, the first time I saw that, I was like, the fuck was that? Mm. And so I looked it up, and there's like, I guess no one's like Lin Manuel Miranda's never come out and said what exactly that's what that means or what's. Do you even remember that? Or I don't know if you like. What do I remember the very last moment of the show? <laughs> what was your what's your interpretation of what's happening there then? Because I guess there's two major interpretations people tend to tend to think of what's happening there at the end. Uh, the first time I was like, I guess it's she died, but the second time through, I'm like, oh okay, she sees that she's being remembered. Oh okay, okay, see that's those are the two interpretations. Which yeah. okay, now I feel stupid. I had to research that to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, well, no, I refuse Bill, to be. No, 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 no. You don't get. You don't get to feel stupid about <laughs> that because I just. I know theater. Well, that's what I'm saying. I know yeah. how shit Daniel, gets staged. I refuse to be on a podcast anymore with someone smarter if, than me. God damn it! <laughs> if you went and you saw like a ballet and people were doing pantomimes, you'd be like, "Why the <laughs> fuck are they waving their hands above their heads?" And I'd be like, "It's because they're telling you they're gonna dance." Okay, okay, okay. I know okay. you. I, you pick up shit. <laughs> oh, Dale, my joke is. So wait, I got one more joke for you. <laughs> I think what happened is she's seeing Jack waiting for her on the grand staircase of the Titanic, and with the people. Get it? Cause she dying, and that's the thing. That's so funny. I forgot to laugh. <laughs> Hamilton, everybody. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Uh, oh God. Oh man, I meant to make jokes. I was gonna, I was gonna joke that one. Of, I was gonna start describing one of the musical numbers. That it was gonna be like a song from Cartoon Planet. It was gonna be like a Brack song. I was gonna be like, mm. oh, suddenly, suddenly Jefferson starts talking about how much he loves beans every day. Frijoles negros. I love beans. Um. Nailed it. <laughs> so that's our incisive. A uh, study about Hamilton, which it was so in-depth and good that I think people will be using this podcast to teach future generations about um, our insights into musical theater. Because mm -hmm. it was... Obviously. Uh... <laughs> 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 oh, man. What was your favorite number, Bill? They're all good numbers. You know, I kind of like... Well, that's an easy cop out. <laughs> I like the whole thing. I like all the kid doing? I can hear the kid cry in the background. I don't know. He's pissed about something. I don't blame probably, him. He's probably, probably somebody said, hey, do you want this chicken nugget? And he said, ah. okay. Do you like chicken because nuggets? That's how toddlers kids. That's how toddlers Yeah, all kids yeah, love chicken but, nuggets. But unless it's a day that he doesn't like chicken nuggets, then they're the devil. God, yeah. How easy is he? He's in the terrible twos, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, poor kid. He's not that bad of a no, kid. No, that's just, just saying, when, but, like, when, he's, he's too, when, yeah. 
when tod when you ask toddlers if they want to do something and they usually want to do it, but that day to decide they don't want to do it, yeah. it's the end of the world. For them. I, I, I feel bad for parents who can't be psychic. Like I guess all parents. Yeah, um, imagine that. <laughs> but you know what? Actually, I do. Uh, while watching it for uh, for the uh, second or third, whatever the fuck time it was last night, I got to thinking about how um, I actually do really like that ending because it is. I mean, I'm a sucker for anything that's kind of get, gets weirdly meta, but. Actually, in retrospect, I think I kind of like the ending so much because it actually kind of reminds me of End of the Woods, which is all about the whole play of End of the Woods is all, all about social responsibility. But specifically, the ending of that play is also like Hamilton about legacy and the stories we arm our kids with as they grow up. So they have some kind of like shared meta, like let's we're gonna remove we're gonna t we're gonna talk about what our own play is from the outside of. of we're kind of like step outside the reality of the play for a moment to talk about like the meta impact of telling stories like this can have on our audience. And I kind of like like this kind of does, yeah, Into the Woods and Hamilton kind of both do this uh, same uh, kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, um, it's, I don't know. That's the weird thing because I really do. I think I like, I think I like its component parts of Hamilton more than I like the whole thing. I love the cast. Like, I love their performances of the songs, even though the, some of the songs themselves, I don't know. I do like the songs, but I don't like the instrument, uh, like the instrumentation of some of the songs. Although there's some instrumentation I do really like. Like I said, I fucking love banjo in the fucking in the room where it happens and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I have complicated feelings. I still, I like it a lot. I don't necessarily love it. Also, apologies. There are some weird sounds going on upstairs. We're having a kitchen renovated upstairs, and so it sounds like sometimes Godzilla's fucking the house. <laughs> what the hell that sound is? Which window? Uh, hmm. Well, I've got a window right here. Oh, God, what does dick look like? Would it just be a big green normal dick? Or would, like, what does a lizard dick look like? Anyway. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> little red rocket there. Not so red. Little red rocket. Um, but... I do... I don't know. I The, the thing is, I don't have to have any specific... I don't feel obligated to have, like, a specific opinion about Hamilton now, because it is now out in the open, um, thanks to Disney+. Plus. Not that I want to suck Disney's dick even more, but, like, even if I shut down my Disney Plus subscription tomorrow, at least, you know, this is as a document, it's out there in the wild, and... And I am appreciative of, of uh, sh short of having somehow magically gotten tickets to Hamilton half a decade ago, when the original cast was still doing its thing. This is still probably the best possible way to have seen Hamilton. You know, you mm. got the, like I said at the beginning of this, so you got the original cast in the original theater, gorgeously shot without any needless adaptation to, uh, into a big budget film remake, because, like, we like it, well, maybe not so gorgeously. Well, we did say it, it looks beautiful, but yeah, you're not just a big fan of the way that the a film projection like this guides the viewer's experience. But. What are you gonna do? No, no, I'm fine with yeah. that. I was just saying I couldn't focus on the dance because the, the they didn't allow me to, but that's fine because that's the way they wanted it. Exactly, to be. yeah. Um, the dancing's not the focus; it's just kind of yeah. It's, it, it's a living. Background. I wasn't quite sure how rigorous the dancing was too, because I know they're not like necessarily pirouetting and stuff all the time, but oh, it's it's difficult enough. Oh, I mean. Okay. They have to do it in those fucking costumes. Yeah, that seems pretty uncomfortable. Yeah, like fucking high boots and shit like that. It just seems kind of oof. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I thought, yeah, I... Velvet. I Hamilton, not that bad. I can see what the kerfuffle is about, and I'm glad to have this this version for posterity is out there for everyone to enjoy. And uh, obviously it's not perfect. It's, it's We're not saying that, which is... Yeah, I hate it when you're talking about popular things. You have to, like, 
you have to mix things and like so, well, we understand that like you know it's we're not just claiming it's the end all be all of everything but did did you answer my question and i missed it <laughs> what's the what's my favorite uh, song yeah oh man shit like i have to go back and look through who you know actually it might be who lives who dies and tells your story because it's so i'm all, i'm mm. also a sentimental fuck so of course the whole thing of like somebody stepping out of their own lives to look how it its perspective. I like the music f for the Ten Dual Commandments. Dun, 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 dun. Like, there's some nice, mm -hmm. catchy bits. Um, the performance of Satisfied is great. Like, that's there. The, there's no one song that I think is perfect, but like a lot of songs have like, like like the song over here will be my favorite like singing performance. The song over here be over here will be my favorite like instrumental or something like that. But I I think I really need more time because only I've like I've not actually even listened to the soundtrack by itself yet. I've only watched mm. this film production like two or three times. And so I haven't had... And that's the other thing. I know people... I've already seen people be like, Oh, this is... The the songs as performed in the, uh, the, the Disney Plus version aren't nearly as polished as they are on the Disney album, which is not what I want. I like the fact that, like, sometimes they're a little bit out of breath because they're performing these songs live and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not really worried about... Like, I already think that the music in the song is already kind of squeaky clean and overproduced as it is, and if it's even more like that on the original cast album, I don't know if I'd dig that. Even though I'm sure I'd have a good time listening to it, I will probably start listening to that shit. Um, in fact, I probably will start listening as I drop that music into this podcast, just for editing this podcast today, but... I don't know, but yeah, did you, uh, did you have a particular number or, or, or song that you like? I think, I, I think it's uh, Burr and Hamilton singing to their kids. Oh, really? When That's... they're sitting on the chairs, yeah. I feel bad because I totally there's 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 more meat and potatoes, character-wise and emotionally in this song that it, in this musical that I totally skipped over. And I was kind of no, wondering about We've that been because talking for an hour and a half about it. It's but no, but like yeah, like I was kind of wondering while watching that last night about how if you'd have anything to say about that because it is so much. Um, do do you prefer like Burr's part versus like Hamilton's part or anything, or just the, the sentiment of the whole thing? Yes. Which one? Burr. Oh, okay. Also, Burr's less of an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that my dear Theodosia? Is that song? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they that's that's totally one of those things where I don't have a kid, so I'm just like, eh. that you know of. <laughs> I I have lot, left a lot of surprise packages for people on the bus <laughs> that they could have actually sat in, but. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's another thing too. Also, just reading about the like the the writing of uh, Dear Theodosia in the, in the Hamilton Revolution book is, of course, Hamilton talks about he became a father halfway through the writing of Hamilton. So of course that like informed the writing of that song, and it was one of those things where like he knew he had to like have that song somewhere in there, but like he couldn't crack it until he actually had a, a son that he could look to and like actually have those emotions. And he like it, w it wasn't just like him making up like, story beats for a character, but, like, he could actually, like, he wasn't, he hadn't formed emotions that, you know, he could write the songs through, so. That, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, hey, I, I found out, I did a, I watched some history shit on this, and I uh, guess it was discovered that the pistols that Hamilton dueled with were the same ones that killed his son. Really? Yeah, because they were all, and he also had another duel that he participated yeah, in. Yeah, I saw that, like, uh, oh, cool, cool, because real life, of course, but, you streamline things, and, you know, uh, shit, that's fucked up. They were all borrowed from the same person. 
Well, I saw and that like, like one of them, one of one of them had a, a hair trigger on it that was considered cheating. Oh shit! Well, I guess it didn't. Secret hair trigger. Didn't help. Uh... Well, see, those were the guns that actually killed his son, not the, the guns that his, his son dueled with, right? Huh? Well, they, they, somebody brought like two guns yeah. and said, hey, "Which you each get one. they they all worked in the same circles and stuff like that." So I'm like, yeah, so it makes sense that like those the pair of guns would have been probably floating around because I think they also dueled in the same spot that his son dueled in. Um, oh, well, they mentioned that in, in, in the musical, yeah. Um, I'm sitting on the IMDb page, oh, just God, not, not, not on anything in particular, but the goof section. This is the only one I can see. So oh, okay, okay, knows. okay. In one camera angle during its quiet uptown, Eliza's hair has fallen over her right shoulder. In a quick cut to another camera during the same phrase, Eliza's hair is pulled back behind her shoulder, indicating editing from multiple shows. Oh, shit. I did see that supposedly. Um, Great goof, guys. During Satisfied and the Skylar Sisters, uh, the was it um, Angelica? She's got like a little flo flower thing in her tits that dis disappears and reappears. That's the her. other goof list. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say, um, <laughs> did you put that there? I ran right to the. God, the day <laughs> find me typing into IMDb a goof. Actually. We need to start. Didn't you, Phil put in, started putting in goofs into IMD or B, right? Yeah, that one time. Christ it almighty. Didn't, it didn't last. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they have a lockdown. They just don't accept, like, they'll accept new goofs, but, like, they're like, we already get enough goofs. So we don't need more goof contributors. Um, but, yeah, so that's Hamilton. That's pretty. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad to see this wasn't complete torture for you. Um, which, that's more important to me than anything else, really. Um, but, yeah, it's. Maybe not every. Then again, I don't know. Like I said, compared to most everyone else, I've only watched it two or three times. Which compared to everyone else, fucking sucks the dick of this thing. That's barely anything. But maybe if I watch it more, I'll eventually become like a rabid fan of Hamilton. But yeah, for right now, like yeah, it's actually pretty good. I like. I would actually put this in the same canon with like my other favorite stage musicals that I've seen, like Sweeney Todd and, and Into the Woods and. Cats, Starlight Express, I didn't Jesus Christ Superstar. I didn't realize about a choo-choo. Uh-huh. What the hell wrong with that, dude? Oh, like, you know, I am morbidly curious to watch the uh, that 1998 filmed version of Cats, though, just for... Well, the lady I was talking about, the, the, the lady with the, who talks a lot about Broadway stuff, uh, she had a good point talking about... Uh, she had the one review of the Cats movie that wasn't just making fun of the CGI, where she was talking about just from a storytelling perspective... Like, the original Cats is more interesting because so much of it is about the cats trying to tell each other stories within the junkyard. Mm -hmm. It's not just suddenly jumping from place to place, but it's actually, like, the cats entertaining each other, and that's more, like, interesting character dynamic and stuff. She had some pretty interesting story and character points, whereas everyone else is just making fun of it. Of course, how Cats is just horrifying to look at on its own, but... I don't know. So, yeah, it's it's been a real trip to do <laughs> Cats and Hamilton within six months, but holy shit... Um, did you see... I, yeah, go ahead. I was just scrolling through the trivia on this. Oh, no. No, it's... Oh, no. I just don't get how these two things are connected. Yeah. It's all in one piece of trivia. Over 100 microphones were used to record the live onstage movie version, but Miranda allowed two obscenities in the Leverado <laughs> to be deleted in order to oh, secure... No, totally... To secure... Wow, what does one thing have to do with the no, other? Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. Weird. The person... I, th I wanted to... Who knows? Normally, I would say maybe the person meant to write two different notes, but then they got confused. But it's IMDb, so. And now it's just a comma. They... It's not a period. God. Which, as I guess. 
Um, I did notice like, watching the second time, watching this shit in 4K, you could totally see like the wig, the microphones and everyone's wigs. Because most everyone's mm. like, you can see like Hamilton, everyone who's bald, they're, they've got a microphone that's like hanging out their ear, like Burr and yeah. Washington, but everyone else who's wearing a wig or has their real hair, they've got like right at their temple, it looks like they've got two little, little two little tiny antenna stick and other hairline. But... Mm. Oh, but yeah, Hamilton's pretty good. Did you see that uh, Olivia ha mm. de Havilland just died? No. She, I think she, I think she was the oldest person in Hollywood who was still alive. She was like she played. I think she was Maid Marian in Robin Hood. I just wanted to make note of that she just died in her sleep uh, today. She was like mm. she's like 142 years old or something like that. 104. 104, but still she old. I like I if she wasn't the oldest living person in Hollywood right now, she's definitely up top tier though. She's like right up there with them. Didn't Kirk Douglas? He just died within the last year, too, right? Yeah. So I thought I'd just make a note of... Because we've done so much old-timey uh, Hollywood stuff, I thought. We also just lost Regis Philbin. We just lost John Saxon. We haven't done anything involving these I guys. I thought Regis Philbin died, like, five years ago. He was old a long time ago. <laughs> um, and I saw that Bismarck Key is supposedly doing pretty badly right now, too, which that sucks, and... And it's just, he's the guy who wrote one of the best songs ever. Well, I guess it's, he didn't write it. It was actually technically covered, but you got a Wait, no, wait. Yeah, you got a friend in me. You nailed it. You got bro. a friend in me. <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwait <laughs> sings it. Biz Marquis' famous song, You Got a Friend in Me. <laughs> you, you got what I need. That's the song you're thinking of. Still better than who... Who the fuck did the song in Toy Story? Randy Still Newman. Still better than Randy Newman, though. I would Bismarcky. Oh my god, that would be amazing. Anyway, so good. Hope you feel better, Bismarcky. By virtue of the fact that I said that guarantees that you're probably dying the moment I said that. Mm. Oh god, so what else going on? Anything new? Now we're done. Yeah, that's Hamilton. <laughs> Larry Hamilton. He's done. Larry Hamilton. So, yeah, I'm trying to think yeah. of any other jokes I had to have about Hamilton, but no, I actually got to manage to read all my goddamn. 10 volumes of notes, so I'm going to publish this as my mm -hmm. own fucking coffee table book. Donkey um, <laughs> Kong 64. That's the thing, Hamilton, like, I'm, even even now that I like Hamilton, watching it even the second or third time, I caught myself, like, it's still the smack of, like, hell, the planet, what's the name of this Planet of the Apes musical in The Simpsons? The, the Planet of the Apes, I want to get off? I think it's yeah, yeah, it, like it is like I catch myself just kind of laughing how preposterous some of the things. There's a bit, I think it's during the Skylar Sisters, where they're first introducing the Skylar Sisters, and the girls are like walking around the, the quote-unquote the streets of New York. And I love the reaction of, of the lady playing Angelica Skylar, because she's like, she's looking for a mind at work, work, and she's like looking all, she's making all these faces, all these guys are macking on her. But there's this one guy who's dancing with this book, he's this bald guy. He looks like fucking uh, Dr. Venture, and he's like dancing with this book, and he's like doing like he's passing the book between his legs like it's a basketball, but it looks so stupid. Every time I watch mm. it, like I'm knocked right out of the, like, the experience of watching, because I'm like, this is dumb. What am I watching this for? Where's my Animal Crossing? But anyway, so that's neither here nor there. So yeah. No, that's it was that was Hamilton. It's a good thing. I'm beginning to think musical theater is kind of a slightly silly thing. Oh god, what's your yeah, favorite musical? In general. What would you say your favorites? Like or like even like in general or like what production? Well, you've you've been in a ton of productions and stuff, but like what's your favorite thing that you've seen live or just any 
Like you, live, you, live, or just Book in general? Book of Mormon. Yeah. Book of Mormon was the best live. Okay. In general, what's your favorite? Uh... Uh, probably tie between that and End of the Woods. Oh really? Yeah. Maybe we should yeah. Do that. Some... Although that's. Maybe we should do. That. I don't know how we do. I don't know if you would want to sit down and take like three hours worth of notes for that thing, but it's been a long time. You know what? I've not seen End of the Woods before. I watched it shortly before uh, the, that goddamn Rob Marshall version came out. I think that movie mm -hmm. bummed me out so badly I haven't been able to go back and... Oh, it's been... That's a couple years ago now, but still. Oof. Fucking James Corden? Yeah. What the fuck? I love Emily yeah. Blunt, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, which is funny, because the, the... The wife of the baker and that, she also ends up on the West Wing, so that's another Hamilton connection. Amazing. Anyway, okay, so we should go. Anyway, next week, we're gonna talk about uh, Three Caballeros going... Decided a border flavor again. Which, according to everyone on the internet, sounds like that should be a better time than Saludos Amigos. Oh, yeah. Uh, we also got our first fan art this week. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, it only took 250 Thank episodes. you for drawing fan art of us. Well, not of us, but like fan art of a Not of, of, of us at all. Mm -hmm. um, so that was appreciated. A gag you didn't pick up on. I, I will, You know what? I would like to think by <laughs> the fact that I couldn't uh, but pick up on that actually uh, helped out the gag, so... Mm, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's we're a comedy team. There's no comedy. Uh, There's no. So comedy yeah, thank in you, team. Catherine King, for for that little, that little doodle of illustrating Daniel's joke from the last episode. So, mm -hmm. oh my god. So and then I have to think of God. Yeah, man. Maybe we should just do Into the Woods. Fuck. I'll maybe I'll end up watching yeah. that while uh, editing today's podcast. Yeah, you do that. Because yeah, I know it's been on iTunes. I was on Netflix for a while, too. But yeah, Into the Woods. If you've never seen Into the Woods, uh, see Steven Sondheim. It's a bunch, of, a bunch of fairy tale characters getting together. Sounds stupid as shit, but yeah, it's but it's not. It's actually pretty good. And that was the first time, because my friends made me watch that. And they made me watch the staged, you know, the, the, the filmed musical stage version of that. And that's the first time I didn't realize uh, stage productions had act, like, intermissions. Because when the first act ended, I thought that was the end of the story. And I was like, mm. there's a second part to this? There's two of them? Well, especially... <laughs> Thank you, Trade trade Federation. <laughs> um, But yeah, so anyway. We should go. Uh, yeah, we should go. He's Mudder on Twitter. I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Target Podcast. TargetPodcast.com. All the things. Get us. Share Whatever. <laughs> so, Hope so. you watch this, because if not, it was just background noise. Well, I think everyone's seen Hamilton now, or at least enough that, like, yeah. Um, yeah. Looking for a mind at work, work. This is one of those things, too, because just having to watch it once or twice, I wake up every morning now with, like, little catches, little bits of the songs floating through my head. Or, like, while I'm doing work all day. Just, like, random utterances from the goddamn musical. Well, just like, oh, God, I need to... I mean, need to get into the woods just to flush all this Hamilton out of my brain for a while. Been, mm. It's been taking up too much mental real, real estate for the last month, but oof a do. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. Yeah, I got no. I should have come up with a witty way to end this, but I don't who have Who lives, one, so. who dies, who tells your boring story? We do mm -hmm. every week. Yeah. I've got a million things I've yet to do, and I'm putting them all off. Uh, yeah, the so. <laughs> That's actually going to work. I'm uh, Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> Fucking living already. He's such a I'm Alexander Hamilton. Oh, uh, like I said, if I can commission the guy who sings Brack to do a Brack cover of like some of the fucking songs from this, I would fucking love it. You know, it's kind of hard to find mm. good covers. 
or funny covers from Hamilton stuff because I was looking that up on YouTube just to to add you know add some spice to the today's podcast, but that was kind of more difficult than I thought. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's no witty yeah. witty way to end this other than just yeah, we're all part of history. No. It yeah. is. For better for worse, it is a hell of a time to be alive right now. Holy shit, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So until next time, if you hear your holes pop culture, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you so long, everyone. <laughs> Those rhymes are so good. You rhyme as good as Lin Manuel Miranda does. I, I'm almost as good as you. I spit the hot fire. <laughs>